She's a woman that we never would have remembered if she hadn't crossed paths with the one that we can never forget. In fact, we don't even know her name, and she remains one of those people, they, one of these mortals who found their immortality in the light and presence of Jesus Christ. But her name isn't nearly as important as why she came. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I'll be made whole. Like this woman had been suffering for 12 years from this internal hemorrhaging, and it had robbed her of her vitality, it had robbed her of her health, and she couldn't go out in public. The Bible says that during those years, she had seen plenty of doctors, but one doctor after another would tell her that there's no hope for you. Nothing can be done. But then she heard about this man from Galilee, and she heard about the fact that this man could perform miracles just by touching people or by actually even just saying the word. And she thought, you know, if I could just get near him, this could be my chance. Because just the day before this, she heard about the fact that he had calmed the storms in the sea, and the water just became as on PEI, as calm as oil. It's just totally like glass. And then later on that same day, he drove a legion of demons out of a man. And so he healed that man. So she's thinking, well, surely there's something that this miracle worker can do for me. This is my last hope. I have nothing else to rely upon. And then she sees him in the distance, but when she notices the large crowd that's just crushed around him, she kind of loses hope a little bit. And she decides, okay, this isn't going to work. So she starts to walk away. But then out of the corner of her eye, she glimpses his coat or his cloak blowing in the breeze. And then she's thinking, you know, if that man has the power that he does, then there's power in that cloak. So she decided to get over there. And she was working her way through the crowd, getting closer and closer. And then finally, she just kind of drove her shoulder in between two burly fishermen. And she reached out and she grabbed his cloak. And she just held onto it for a moment. But it was long enough that she could just feel that something had happened, that she had been healed, that there was power in that man's garment. Gone was that perpetual sense of pain, and it was replaced by an inward sense of healing. The bleeding had stopped. And she now, for the first time, could just kind of stand up straight, and she could look the world in the face because she had been made whole once again. The great physician had touched her, and she would never be the same again. And then Jesus, with his unassuming manner, he just says, who touched me? And the disciples go, Father, what do you mean? Like, who touched you? Lord, like, people are all around you. They're crowded into you. How can you say, who touched me? But Jesus could always distinguish between the jostling of the crowd and when someone was reaching out and touching him for another purpose. Power had gone from him, and he wanted to find the person who had basically claimed that power. And so he lovingly gazed out over the crowd, looking at them one 
after the other, just looking them in the eye until the Bible tells us that finally this woman came to the front and she just collapsed in front of Jesus and she blurted out the whole truth. She told about this 12-year-long disease that she had and then she said, but I'm not just changed. She said, I'm healed. It's like I'm new again. And then Jesus looked at her and he said, daughter, your faith, not my garment, but your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, I have a strange suspicion that she went and she had been changed so dramatically that she went and was never the same again. Healing becomes possible and peace ends up being the byproduct. So that was her story. It was a story of desperation. It was a story of deliverance. But we're going to dig into that a little more and see a bit more about this woman and the one to whom she reached. First of all, we notice that she's so alone, but Jesus notices her. Mark's gospel tells us that she suffered all those years under the care of many doctors. And then, but Luke's account is a little different. Luke was a doctor himself, so he's a little more kind toward his profession. And he explained it that she had an incurable disease. That's why they couldn't do anything about it. But let's just paint the picture of this chronic condition. Here she is, she's a Jewish woman, and the Old Testament laws said that if you had an ongoing health issue like this, that it would negatively affect your life. Because of this bleeding, this constant bleeding, she couldn't touch her husband, thus she couldn't have children. She wasn't allowed to be in public. She couldn't make a meal because whoever ate that food would become unclean. She couldn't go into the temple to worship because anybody that came and sat by her would be considered unclean. So this is what she was experiencing. So no wonder she felt alone. So this is a story of desperation. There's social desperation, that that separation that she has, financial desperation. uh, There's relational desperation, what's going on with her husband. And then spiritual as well, because she can't go and worship. So she's desperate, she's alone. And the word used for crowd here means a group of unidentified people. And Jesus knew all things. He knew who it was that touched him. He didn't have to call that woman out. So there must have been another reason why he did that. It wasn't to embarrass her, but he insisted on her being identified because she needed a personal relationship with him. So Luke's account of this gospel in Luke 8 verse 47 reads, When the woman saw she could not hide, she came forward shaking and fell down before Jesus. Now one guy said this, and we have it here on the overhead for you. He pointed out that when people come to Christ, they want to come unnoticed. They want the assurance of forgiveness and eternal life, but they don't want their family to know that they might be upset. They don't want their peers to know because the culture war is heating up. They don't want church leaders to know because they might be recruiting them to serve in some way. That could happen. But, but Jesus doesn't allow us to have a private healing for long. 
And that's so true. Like many people just kind of wanted to keep it to themselves. But Jesus isn't going to allow it to be that way. So Luke 9, verse 26, Jesus even said, If people are ashamed of me and my teaching, then the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and with the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So she's alone, but Jesus notices her. And he wanted her faith to be in him and not in his robe. She didn't, excuse me, he didn't want her thinking that there was some type of magical power in that robe, but the power was in him. Mark 5, 29. Instantly, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. At once, Jesus felt power go out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? So the power comes from Jesus, as does the attention. And this wasn't a process that happened over time. That scripture says this happened instantly. Instantly she was healed. And she's so discouraged, but Jesus encourages her. This woman, this nameless person in the crowd, falls at the feet of Jesus. She explains everything that has gone on in her life. And then how does Jesus encourage her? He encourages her by calling her daughter. It's the only time in the Bible when we actually hear Jesus calling someone daughter. And imagine how that made her feel. Because this was a term of affection. For him to call her his daughter means that they have a relationship. That she is now a part of his family. So talk about encouraging words. And what about us? How many times are we in situations with individuals where we could offer an encouraging word? Maybe it might be an email that we could write to somebody or a text. Or maybe it's just go up to an individual and and put our arm around them just to let them know that we're there for them. That could make such a difference to someone. But this woman, she's so overwhelmed, but Jesus gives her peace now, I can imagine that this woman is tired, like, that she's just discouraged. This ongoing discharge of blood would cause anemia. It would cause fatigue. So when she went out into public, she'd be afraid, you know, maybe I'm just going to get tired and I might even pass out. Not to mention the fact that the law said she wasn't allowed to be there in the first place. So if someone finds out that she's out in public, then all of a sudden she's criticized for breaking the laws. And everybody she touched would then themselves be considered unclean for several days. So maybe this nameless woman had heard that Jesus had actually healed lepers. And she realized, well, these people are outcasts in society as well. And he touched them. So maybe he would touch me. And once healed, her joy quickly gave way to fear when Jesus stepped forward and said, who touched me? And look at verses 32 and 33. But Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched him. And the woman, knowing that she was healed, came and fell at Jesus' feet, shaking with fear. And she told him the whole truth. So she recognizes the divine power of Jesus. And fear and trembling often 
our natural responses when you are in the presence of the divine. Like, it even happens to us when we're in the presence of people that are considered to be important in our society. Like, I know most of you don't like hockey, but Gordy Howe is the greatest hockey player that ever lived. He played until he was 50 years of age, and he came to Halifax for a book signing. He had written a book. And, and I went there and I had the book and I had all my hockey cards to have him sign his autograph on them. And I was going to say something profound to Gordy Howe. And I got to the front of the lineup and, uh, hi, Gordy. We really appreciate you. I just, the, the profound wasn't there. And it happened to me once at city council. But 30 years ago, I'm starting to sound like an old man, but when we moved here, I had to shovel front sidewalk, back sidewalk, 240 feet on that side, 240 feet on that side, every snowstorm. And then finally, about 15 years later, people started complaining when they had a sidewalk on the back of their property. Some of them couldn't even access the section that they were supposed to actually clear without going out onto the street. So there was a meeting at City Hall and... People were allowed to go and give their support for people providing plows to do at least one of those sidewalks. So I go there. I'm all pumped up with what I'm going to say. And then this old man gets up before me. And he's pretty, uh, not very steady on his feet. And he has three slides that he wants to be shown up on the screens. And the first one is a picture of the sidewalk that he's responsible for at the back of his property, and it was actually on Farnham Gate Road. And then he showed a slide, and I said, what is it? And then I realized it's his hip. So it was an x-ray of his hip. And then the third slide was an x-ray of the hip that had this big log pin in it. And then he just sat down. He didn't say any more. He'd made his case with the mayor. And then the mayor goes, uh, Gregory Nicholson's next... So I stand up there in front of the mayor. I can't say anything. I can't complain about a little bit of shoveling of snow when this older gentleman is out there doing it. I, so I just said, uh, I grew up on a farm. My father would be embarrassed to hear me complain about this. And that was all I said. But I'm doing better now when I get in those situations. But when Jesus calmed the storm... His disciples, as we looked at two weeks ago, they were filled with fear. And in the region where the Gadarene demoniac was healed, when that happened, the people were so fearful, they just asked Jesus, like, get out of here. Like, please leave our region. So in verse 34, he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So this woman is alone. She's discouraged. And she's in such pain, but Jesus heals her. But notice that Jesus doesn't just heal her outwardly, but inwardly as well. In the 34th Psalm, it tells us, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose gifts have been crushed. So this was an instantaneous healing. There was none of this, if you come back to my next crusade, we'll take you a little further along the healing process. Or, or there's none of this, you know, you're, just, you're getting there, just take some time and you'll be completely healed. None of that. He just takes care of it completely. 
But a fear I have about our society is that we become so consumed with our physical well-being that we neglect the spiritual part. We're worried about our weight. We're worried about what we eat, how we look, and not concerned enough about eternity. It doesn't even get onto the radar screen sometimes. Our health on this earth becomes a higher priority than going to heaven and receiving a perfect, glorified body that we'll receive in that setting, when we're in the presence of God for all eternity. Leroy Lawson spoke at a series of lectures at Maritime Christian College years ago that I attended, and he told a story about Mrs. Miller. And she was a woman who had undergone surgery, had a cancerous breast removed, and as she was taken back to her room after surgery, she noticed that her roommate was crying. And so she said, what's the matter? Well, I've got cancer. Well, so do I, said Mrs. Miller. Yes, but I had surgery to remove one breast, and now they tell me I have lumps in the other, and I'm going to have to lose it as well. Well, I've heard the same thing, said Mrs. Miller. And then the woman said, I think I'm going to die. And Mrs. Miller said, I think I'm going to die too. And then the woman said, well, how can you lie there so blankety-blank peaceful? And overlooking the the uh, profanity, Mrs. Miller said, well, have you tried praying? Of course I've tried. I've prayed everything from Christian scientists to Buddhists to Baptists, and none of them worked. And then Mrs. Miller said this. She said, you ask not simply for healing, but that you will go with him through the valley, that he will give you the strength and peace of mind, believing that he will never forsake you. And the woman began sobbing again, and Mrs. Miller added, I think your greatest need isn't to be rid of cancer, but your greatest need is Jesus. Now somehow we know that's true, but we get fixated on our world, on our society, and we struggle to think long-term in all of this. We struggle to think of the big picture. So this is a story of desperation. It's a story of deliverance. But you might be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, it's a story from 2,000 years ago. What benefit is there in this for me today? Well, Hebrews 13.8, look at what it says. You may have this memorized. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. This is the same Jesus that walked here on this earth that many years ago. So if he's unchanging... That means there are implications for our lives today. So there are just three of them that I want to share with you. First of all, Jesus did heal, believe in his power. Like There are countless historical evidences beyond what's recorded in the Bible that affirm his miraculous healing power that he possessed. And like this woman, we should have faith in his power and believe that with this man all things are possible. But we know with man, all things are impossible. And Jesus does heal. Ask for his help. I talked with a woman who had a physical disability throughout her life. And she told me that she was embarrassed to talk about the internal healing that she had received. And she was saying, you know, she was afraid that people would look at her and think she hadn't been healed when really she had. Like she had been healed spiritually, not physically. 
But sadly, to the casual observer, that doesn't always stand out. So years ago, she had asked Jesus to come into her life, and he healed the big stuff. He healed her of the sin in her life. And someday, here or maybe there in eternity, he will heal her of that other stuff, that temporary stuff. And when I do the funeral of a Christian, I've said something like this. Like sometimes God chooses to heal someone. Other times, he just chooses to make that person perfect by taking them on into eternity with him. So when the Christian passes away, it's merely a transition into a better life. They receive a glorified body. And someday, God is just going to take care of all the imperfections. He's going to take care of all their afflictions, all our struggles. And he's just going to heal us of everything. But there are some Christians who say, well, if you don't get healed here on earth, then that means you don't have enough faith. And I say, really? That just doesn't make logical sense. And just play that concept out with me. If people could always be healed, if people never died, we would have 2,000-year-old Christians walking around. And I would go to golf on a Monday morning on my day off, and I wouldn't be able to get on any of the golf courses because all the old guys that retired at age 55 and want to keep golfing are on the golf courses. And then you, you, hear, uh, you get a, an invitation to Dorothy's birthday party, 780 years old, and we've got 780 candles. And you think, should I go to that? There's going to be a fire if they get all those lit at once. And then, you know, but some people think that faith provides automatic immunity from any sickness or disease. But that's a gross interpretation of Scripture. And it's also an insult to people like the Apostle Paul or Epaphroditus who had these afflictions and prayed for healing, and it never happened. And it also insults people in this room who are committed Christians and who have ongoing issues that God is just not healing them from. So here's what we can be sure of. Hebrews 9.27 And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So the Bible doesn't promise us that Christians will always have benign tumors. It doesn't promise that we'll be exempt from suffering. And unless Jesus returns in your lifetime, like, you're going to die. Like, we're we're all going to die if he doesn't return in our lifetime. But get this, faith in Jesus doesn't keep us from dying but it does ensure that when we do die, we will be with him in eternity. So our faith is in him. It's in his power over death, his power over sickness. But at the same time, it's faith in his plan, in his will, so that he will do things in his timing because he has arranged every step of our lives. So it's not a faith that he'll always heal us when we think he should or in the way that we wish he would. So according to Romans chapter 8, verse 23, Paul said, Not only the world, but we also have been waiting with pain inside us. We have the Spirit as the first part of God's promise. So we are waiting for God to finish making us his own children, which means our bodies will be made free. 
So somehow our bodies are going to go through some type of transformation. There will be a glorified improvement or enhancement. So I will have a six-pack in heaven That's, and biceps and all that stuff. It, it will be amazing. But we all know of people that have been through horrible physical sickness and struggles here on earth, but because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they look forward to the fact that one day there's going to be no sickness in heaven. And the Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, but our homeland is in heaven and we are waiting for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come from heaven. By his power to rule all things, he will change our humble bodies and make them like his own glorious body. So like I said, sometimes God chooses to heal and sometimes he chooses to make perfect. But realize that there's something that's more important than your physical condition in this life. And that's your soul for eternity. And those who swallow their pride and trust in Christ, they are going to look forward to that change that will take place. But here's the question. Whether God chooses temporary healing or permanent healing, will you give glory to him? This woman told the truth in front of that crowd of people. She blurted out. She told everything about her life. She told about the healing that she had experienced. I can assure every Christian of one thing. There's coming a day when you will say, I'm changed, I'm healed, it's like I'm new. And whether you exclaim those words here in this life or as you enter heaven, it's immaterial because from heaven's perspective, it doesn't matter. One of the great moments in United States history happened on February 22, 1980. And the U.S. was just emerging from a troubled decade. The 1970s were kind of horrible for them. It was marked by an ugly and awkward end to the Vietnam War. And then there were the scandals like the Watergate scandal that was demoralizing to the country. They had inflation, unemployment ran rampant. And there was an energy crisis. And then the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, rejuvenating the Cold War. But in the Winter Olympic world of sports, the Soviet hockey team had won five of the last six Olympic gold medals, the last four in a row. They had won 21 straight games at the Olympics, and they came up against the U.S. team. Now, the U.S. team was made up mostly of amateurs that were still college age. Some of them had already graduated from college. But the Soviets, they, they were professionals. They were actually soldiers in the army, but all they did was play hockey. And the U.S. defeated Russia that day. And it was just an amazing game, and then they went on to win the gold medal. But as that hockey game ended, sportscaster Al Michaels delivered one of the most famous lines in all of sports history. He said, do you believe in miracles? And that's my question for you today. Do you believe in miracles? Like, Do you believe that there is one who could speak and all of a sudden the storm would stop and the water would be still? Do you believe in miracles? Could there be one who had this lifelong incurable disease could she be instantly healed of that? 
because she just touched the garment of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Like, do you believe in miracles? And if your answer is yes, then the follow-up question is about miracles at the time when Jesus walked on earth. On the earth. It's not about that. It's much more personal. The question is, do you believe that God is capable of performing a miracle in your life right now? Do you think that his power was limited to the first century? Or do you think he can transform you today? Like Jesus can heal, period. Like end of discussion. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But it's his call as to when he chooses to do that. And the question is going to be one of our trust. Our desperation can take us in one of two directions. We can come closer to Jesus or we can back further away from him. Do you believe in a miracle that God can take a person who's living a worldly life here in 2019 and transform that individual into a humble, gentle servant? Do you believe that Jesus can take someone who's all wrapped up in themselves and and in their career, that their family gets put on the back burner along with God? Do you think God can transform that person to someone whose heart just beats for God and for others? I believe it, and I see it all the time. This woman was an unknown, unclean woman who was living in a man's world Yet Jesus treated her as if she was the only person in that crowd. And he'll do the same for you. Some of you may think your greatest need is to be healed of something. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe it's to find a job. But your greatest need is to have Jesus in your life. And you have a chance today to actually reach out and to touch him and to have him come into your life. If you've never turned your life over to Christ, then we invite you to do that. To in your desperation say, I can't do this on my own. I I fold, I give, I surrender. I need you, Lord.